This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Charlotte's beer and brewery industry has seen tremendous growth in recent years, but the question remains, how much further can it expand and what areas can be approved upon? From the rise of local microbreweries to the influx of national brands, Charlotte's beer scene is constantly evolving. So let's delve into the intricacies of the industry and discover what the future holds for beer in the Queen City. The beer market and the consumer has fundamentally shifted. I'm Alex Elich, and this is the Charlotte Newsmakers Podcast. We're talking to North Carolina Craft Brewers Guild Executive Director Lisa Parker about the beer industry in Charlotte and how it's evolved over the past few decades. You know, you cannot throw a rock in the Charlotte region without hitting a couple breweries it seems like there's still announcements every week that more breweries, specifically craft breweries, are coming to the Charlotte area. If you could just sort of talk about the history of craft beer in this area and how it exploded. It really has exploded. Um, I believe that the first craft brewery in the Charlotte area was probably Rock Bottom restaurant and brewery. That was back in 98. And that really kicked off the craft beer movement in the Charlotte area. At this point in Charlotte proper, we now have approximately 42 breweries. Now these counts were done last quarter. So we are actually about to do a new uh, new count coming up and there will be more. Like you said, they, they are opening throughout the year at this point. But in the greater Charlotte area, We're looking at approximately 80, 81 breweries that have opened. And these are these are brewing locations with um, brewery permits on file with the state. So manufacturing locations. It's not necessarily that many different companies. A company might have more than one brewery to its name. From a business perspective, what do these brewers, these breweries see about Charlotte and the Carolina region that they're like, okay, no, we have to set up shop here. Obviously it's very popular, but what is just the draw? Is it the weather? I don't know. What I think is part of that reason that we are just seeing this explosion in Charlotte is the amount of available space there is in Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's a little sprawling and with lots of different neighborhoods. And we see that those neighborhoods tend to have room for breweries to come in and build out. So whether it is maybe an old warehouse district and those warehouses are being, you know, at this point um, converted into brewery spaces, um, or whether it's the new construction that's taken place all over Charlotte, where we're seeing breweries being built into new spaces. You know, I I think it's kind of that that old directive, build it and they will yeah. come. You know, I think that holds true in this case. Um, and and you get to pair that that space with the fact that Charlotte has so much that's already going on in the city. Mm-hmm. Between the Panthers and the new football club and the Whitewater Center and all the different exhibits and events that are taking place, um, 
you know, these things pair really great with craft beer. And, and so we are seeing those pairings happen and we're seeing the tourism not only come for those events, but Charlotte is now the biggest beer city in North Carolina. And so that tourism what? is coming to Even Charlotte. As that's right. Her wow. last counts that I did. Yeah. To your earlier point, it, it makes sense given the different neighborhoods too, because I feel like each brewery can sort of create its identity based on the, the neighborhood. If they want to incorporate art in their space or, you know, partner with local businesses in that neighborhood to do events that lets them really have their own unique identity and personality. Awesome. Yeah. Every, every brewery has its own unique story and its mm-hmm. own unique flavor. And so that really makes it fun. And like you're saying, you know, these breweries really are the right fit for their communities and their neighborhoods. And sort of just going back to your earlier point. So you mentioned the first brewery in Charlotte was in the late nineties. Has it just sort of been like a steady addition of breweries or have you just noticed a particular year or couple of years where, wow, all these breweries just flock to the Charlotte area. Right. You know, looking back over the records, it 2019 was a hot time. So we had, um, I think it was six breweries open in Charlotte in 2019. And those are breweries, and, and I am looking at the days that are still open. But looking at that, you know, 2018, 2019 is where craft beer really just started to to skyrocket and and take off, especially in the Charlotte area. We head into 2020, which we know we head into 2020. Oh, not a great year for (laughs) for so many reasons, really impacted a ton of small businesses, which so many craft breweries are, as you know. I mean, how are breweries recovering in this just post-COVID environment? COVID, like you're saying, was so hard on small businesses around our state. And we are starting to see a comeback of the crowds that is starting to reach, you know, kind of what it looked like pre-pandemic, but we're not there yet. And to be honest, I think there's a number of factors that are probably going to keep us from being there for quite some time still. Really, the the beer market and the consumer has fundamentally shifted um, as a result of COVID. So, you know, if you think about all the folks who are, who were stuck at home through, through that whole quarantine, well, they kind of got into the habit of being home, doing those home routines, picking up beer from the grocery store and enjoying that at home, mm-hmm. which is way different than going out and getting a beer and socializing with friends in that way. We're also seeing the impact of um, folks who work from home now. and. Yeah. And that telecommuting is still very much alive um, post-COVID. And, and I think it's probably, you know, part of our new reality. But what that means is we don't have as many people flocking into our downtown areas. Um, mm-hmm. So any of our brew pubs um, that are located in downtowns may not have quite the same crowds for lunch um, that they would have previously. When you telecommute and you're working from home, you're not exactly getting together with your coworkers at the end of the day to go and have a beer, um, you know, before heading home, like yeah. was the tradition in so many yeah. cases. So cultural so, shift. 
it's a cultural shift. There are new things too. We've there's a lot more outdoor events that are being held, and and so there's a lot of shifts that were initiated by COVID mm -hmm. that I think we're still seeing play out, and that's why we're not quite back to where we once were, um, and and recovering all the way with the volume of breweries that are already in Charlotte now being number one in the state. People are brewers still coming to Charlotte, even ones having their second location from Asheville. Do you think that Charlotte's being oversaturated or is there still a, a market for craft breweries? I, I don't think that we have a problem with oversaturation at this point. You know, what we've seen are the most concentrated areas of breweries tend to really become tourism hubs where we're one of the top craft beer tourism states in the nation. Wow. And so people come to North Carolina for craft beer. And, and the more concentrated those breweries are in a, you know, in a metropolitan or downtown area, the easier it is for those tourists who want to go and explore and experience, you know, just what we were talking about previously, the, the different flavors and, and stories of each brewery. So I don't worry as much about oversaturation. Um, you know, it is getting harder as a, if you're opening up a new brewery, if you want to be a really big, you know, statewide regional distribution, that's going to be tougher at this yeah. point because there are a lot of breweries that are in that market. But if you are interested in serving your, your neighborhood, your community, I think the sky's the limit on, on the spaces available there. You know, what we're even seeing is a lot of our rural areas around the state, our breweries are revitalizing those downtowns. Why North Carolina? Why is this the spot for craft beer? Yeah. So, you know, I think that we're on the East Coast. Um, the, the craft beer movement really started in the West, California, moved, moved East. And beer is a perishable product. Um, a lot of people equate it to being like milk and needing to store it in similar, um, similar cold chain ways. And so, so getting beer, especially very perishable IPAs, which are have been popular for a good while now, you know, the, that hop, those hops degrade. And so moving it from the West coast all the way to the East coast to then get it out into market, it's just ticking away time on the quality of that product. So if it can be produced, they, they needed a, a, an East coast location to start producing beer on the East coast with North Carolina being one of the most favorable legislative states for craft beer in um, in the American South, it really helped us to become one of the top 10 craft beer states in the nation. After this break, we're talking to Marcus Nash, the general manager of Sugar Creek Brewing, about his experience in the brewery industry and what needs to happen in Charlotte to diversify it. We'll be right back. you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. 
If only there was one place you could get it all. When you want, wherever you want, on your schedule. There is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Marcus Nash, the general manager of Sugar Creek Brewing. Just this location in general. Yeah. So we're in the Loso area. I mean, there's probably been like three or four other breweries in the past, like, what, two years that I've been added? Like, yeah, it, it's, it, it's exploded. <laughs> I mean, you cannot throw a stone and not hit a brewery in Charlotte. What's the, what's it been like to see that evolution of Charlotte just become this, like, beer city USA? Sorry, Asheville, but, no, like, it, we're there. It is exciting. It's scary for some of the new guys. I don't think that they know how difficult it can be. Mm-hmm. It's easy to look at a new, uh, a booming city and be like, oh, I'm going to slide in there. Yeah. I'm going to give these people a product that they've never had before. Well, breaking news. Mm-hmm. There's like 50-plus of us that have been doing this for a while, and mm-hmm. we're well-established. So please come and join us. But it is not as easy as, I mean, I fight every day. Yeah. For every penny that we bring into this place. And we have a product that is like 10 out of 10 stars. So if yeah. you're not approaching the table in the conversation with 10 out of 10 beer, 10 out of 10 atmosphere yeah. and culture, I, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck. Good luck and yeah. Godspeed. But like, Oof. you have to be at top of your game to walk into the Charlotte beer industry right now. Yeah. Do you think it's oversaturated or getting there? Or do you think there's sort of always room? What's just, I just love to hear your take. Dude, I think for the last four years, we've saying it's been, we've had too many and too many and too many. And like uh, condos in the city, yeah. they'll still keep appearing. Like yeah. we'll be saying the same. We'll, we'll have this, product, I'm going to say five years from now, mm. we'll have this talk again. Yep. And we'll say, do you think there's too many birds yeah. in the city? And there's still going to be more opening. Oh, yeah. By that time, we'll probably have our third and our fourth location opening yeah. by then. We'll, so we'll see. That is so... But it ain't stopping. These people, this community, which I love, yeah. loves beer. Truly. And it's like, even like we were talking earlier, it's so embedded in the Charlotte culture now and the Charlotte economy. It yep. goes beyond, oh, we wish there was more nightlife in Charlotte. And I yeah. don't know if, if like I'm just the opposite because this is just such a vibe. Do you mm-hmm. think that Charlotte needs more of nightlife. I know that's not like you're you're more you're the brewery guy, but I'd just be curious to hear from you. Like do you think there's value in maybe expanding to that or should Charlotte kinda like stick to what we know? I will say me, my opinion, this mm-hmm. city does day life, afternoon life just better yeah. than they do nightlife. I've worked in the nightlife scene in this city. Yeah, that's why I have it yeah. has its cap. Mm-hmm. Um nightlife also is it's you have your whole it's dangerous. Yeah. Um it is. It's just scarier and a lot more dangerous than it needs to be. I don't think the city, and as you can tell from what's been opening up, I don't think that they're even gearing to. I mean, at the end of our street, they're getting ready to open up pickleball, right? Um, indoor outdoor facility. Guess what? That ain't pretty gonna be, wholesome. That ain't going to be open till <laughs> eleven or twelve at night. It's pickleball. Yeah. This is the date. No one's playing pickleball till two a.m. Right. Which I say this now, and if that's their game plan, I'll be blown away. <laughs> but like pickleball is a daytime kind of energy and a vibe. Yeah. And like, 
I just the city does a great job at letting people get outdoors, being active, having fun during the day. The weather is made for the day. Nighttime, I've always felt nothing good happens after eleven. Yeah. And some people say two. Mine is eleven. Yeah. Get home. Start. Get your what you need. Get your your to go and yeah. go home. Have a party at your house, but be somewhere safe. Switching gears a little bit, just mm-hmm. for background. The first time you and I met was I interviewed you on like the coolest initiative I'd ever talked about, which was a scholarship that you had. If you yeah. want to just talk a little bit more about that scholarship and, yeah. and how – I don't think we followed up. How did that, like, go? Just I'm trying not to get emotional. Oh. But that's one of the coolest things that – what I'll be able to tell my children one day that I was a part of. Yeah. The uh, When uh, George Floyd was killed – I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to participate in any of the marching or protesting or even have a voice on what tore my soul out. Yeah. Um, when my boss here, Joe and Eric, uh, gave me an aggressive green light to do whatever I needed to do to get through those feelings and to celebrate um, culture and diversity, like out the gate without, I told him what I needed, and the dudes both said, yes, wow. get it do it and when we were able to bring in Lachey and she thrived and our team grew and was better also we already have like one of the most ridiculously diverse teams in the world so when she came in here she already felt like family immediately Mm -hmm. and she thrived and she got brewery gig after brewery gig and then I started working with the Mini Faces Initiative, which is the exact same idea uh, done by Brian Quinn at Town Brewing Company wow. on a larger scale now. And I'm on the board for Mini Faces. And we're, we're, we're going to be able to place seven, eight different young kids who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to learn something like this. Right. And be able to pay them full time. Like, Shane, when she was here, she was paid. Wow. And and that matters. No one has time to quit their job to do something for free to learn right. how to do a craft in this industry. When you can pay them, that's what matters. So mm-hmm. this year, 2023, I'm making my beer high tap hop again. All the proceeds are going to go toward many faces, and that's going to help pay for the interns for this year. And that will be one less thing that we have to focus on financially for this project rolling yeah. is that um, a beer – that has my hair but not my face yeah. will be able to help pay for these cool, cool ass kids yeah. to uh, hopefully be inspired and love this industry the same way that I do. Yeah. And um, yeah, that internship was uh, that made me realize that Sugar Creek was where I was going to stay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because there's an investment there. There's yeah. a in, and that's the thing too. It's like everyone has to be on the same page yeah. when it comes to making inclusion and yep. diversity and, and for our city to be equitable in every yeah. single way, there needs to be participation from everyone. And yes. of course the brewery industry as yeah. well, we're such a big factor of that. But even too, for, for people who, who don't know about the internship program, could you just yeah. kind of explain how you started it, what, what it was and, and how it operated? So what's goofy is Brian and I, I think started ours both at the almost nearly the exact same time. What we did is we brought a, um, Lachey was a young black woman. We brought her on our team. We showed her everything back in the house that you would need to know how to be successful as an assistant and or head brewer. She knew how to make – she made her own beer. She trained. She did the grunt work. I watched these guys try to break her 
by having her do the keg work, the forklift driving, and she was unfazed and unwavered. And before it was over, Amazing. like we're like, you're, you're leaving, but like that's what has to happen. Yeah. Like, at the end of it, the birdie flies out of its nest. Right. And then she immediately landed in, uh, in Blue Blaze and got a, a job immediately out of the internship. So we saw the success. And I guess there's been several other interns through many faces. The same thing has happened. Like I've gone to these things. I've tried their beer. Um, their creativity, mm-hmm. their joy were all things that these breweries who hosted them, um, it, it was became immediately contagious. Yeah. They, they didn't want them to leave because you never want them to, because they become a part of your family. Totally. And, uh, but when they do and you see what they do in this industry, uh, it's 100% worth it. It's the coolest feeling in the world. And uh, it's, I'm lucky enough to be able to keep up with Shay, mm-hmm. and she sees my family grow. I think she just actually moved out west, so Dang. I'm sure her brewery journey is going to get cooler and bigger and better. I'll, I'll forever be changed by her being a part of this program. And just for my bo- – I think what people underestimate, my bosses were so dope that without batting an eye, they said, we trust you with this project, get it done, mm-hmm. do it right. And, like, I've worked with a lot of people in my life, and – to have that kind of, like, solid trust, yeah, I, I'll forever be grateful for that. You know, I think what people really obviously need to understand is when you have people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. in an industry, it brings different perspectives. <laughs> it brings different flavors in yeah. this case. It's, it's so cool to see. And, you know, unfortunately with the brewery industry, as you know, yeah. more better than anyone, we're – not even close to being yep. there yet. I mean, I read today recent study, and the sad thing is, I'll, I'll put this with a caveat, the study had the same stat of when I interviewed you, like, years ago. So it, there hasn't been a ton of progression, yeah. but less than 1% of brewers are black. That's wild. Th- if this industry was um, balanced, also, I mean, I mean, just people of color, if there were more women who were in charge and made some of these decisions. Yeah. I think a lot a lot less stupid shit would happen, for sure. <laughs> Forgive my language. But Can I, confirm. I, I, I do believe that uh, we wouldn't have as many of these dumb moments yeah. that we watch happen over and over again. But just overall for your product to be better, it just makes sense mm-hmm. to celebrate everyone. Yes. It does. My team out there is everyone. He is from Laos. Mm-hmm. Juan is from Ecuador. Mm-hmm. I mean... African-American, Spanish, Asian. The the goal is I know that I don't have it all. I know I don't know it all, and I don't have every flavor in my box. But guess what? My box here at Sugar Creek has every single flavor. And I don't have any blind sides because the moments of the things that I don't understand culturally, they step up and like, all right, this is what's going on. And their voice can fill me in on what I'm missing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not missing anything. Right. I have my AGM, Maddie, guess what? She runs this show. If I'm not here, mm-hmm. she runs it better than I do sometimes. <laughs> and I know she does yeah. because I need her. Right. I need her voice to be as important as mine is. And if I'm not in this building, she's calling every single shot. Because yeah. I know that that is important. I know that that representation is important. I need female leaders on my team, and I'm lucky enough to have two that are at the tippy top of it. For you in Charlotte, you know, again, that statistic sort of represents the the U.S. as a whole, but how what's the represent, representation in Charlotte like would you say i mean i pers- i don't know every brewer every owner would you say it's there or it's lacking i am i i'll say this proudly i am blown away 
with how well Charlotte's scene is about being real, yeah. um, representing appropriately, um, and fighting the good fight together, man. I, I'm i on the board for Charlotte Independence Brewers Alliance, and I get to see and spend time with these people who own these breweries, work at these breweries, brew at these breweries, and I, for them it's not a part-time gig for representation mm-hmm. or love or balance or quality of who you love or why you love. It's I'm we are killing it in Charlotte. Yeah. I confidently feel like we are killing it. Wow. I do amazing. see that tide did change about five years ago. Yeah. But this city I am very proud to say that I live in Charlotte, North Carolina because of how well and how fast we're moving mm-hmm. in the right direction. Um, and there are some big dogs who are helping us push it faster, but yeah, uh, this city is smashing it. Yeah. And, but what I, my my fear is, is that they'll get comfortable mm-hmm. because they're killing it, right? And then it'll become unimportant. But right now, I think that they're in full steam, and every brewery that I know out of the fifty I know, I don't know a single one of them that wouldn't tomorrow do anything they needed to do yeah. to get the job done. Part of the reason that maybe there isn't a lot of diversity in the brewing industry right now is mm-hmm. because lack of exposure, maybe as like a young child or something in, in the oh, way of like, 100%. oh, I didn't even think that, that was an option yes. or something like yes. that. Yeah. Like that craft beer, yeah. even growing up, I was like, yep. oh, you know, girls don't drink beer when yeah. you're young or 100%. you just don't see it. That would be some of the colleges that we have here in the Carolinas. I know that Boone. Our uh, former head brewer, he he came from there. We have had somebody else wow. that also came from App State. They had a incredible like a course, a brewing course there. Dang. These things can be geared and taught to everyone, and I think through that as well, through education, education of the right age of person, that works for this industry. So the moment they get out of school, these I mean, what we're doing back there is science. Right. This is science. You're following recipes. These are scientists. We need scientists. Go to college to become an amazing head brewer, Mm -hmm. and you will get an amazing job. But at these schools, I'm just saying, do a better job at making this available and pitching it with your whole heart to everyone. This generation needs to do a really cool job Mm -hmm. at helping this next generation coming up understanding an industry that is also still pretty damn young for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, we can just say OMB is maybe 12 years old. That is nothing. That is, yeah. in the craft beer industry, that is just a whisper a in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so we are still babies. So for being a baby of under 12 years for this, uh, us as a city, we're doing pretty daggone good. I get, uh, God, these, these are the moments that always, like, I go home, I get to tell my wife, like, this person said to me, like, I had to go to the back because it almost made me cry. Mm-hmm. But I'll be there. And I met a uh, an older black woman the other night, and we were just talking. I uh, I rarely wear a collared shirt. I'm not a fan of people knowing that I'm in charge in the moment. People mm-hmm. are more honest when they think that you're just here to help. Right. When you're wearing a collar, they assume out the gate, they're like, oh, this is that. It's going to fix these things. It's going to change yeah. these things. And I won't tell them how I really feel. I'm just talking to her, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I've never been to a brewery like this before. I've never really gotten to craft beer. I was like, well, let's find some stuff that you like. Yeah. And just in that little bit of time, she still didn't know I was in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. She's gushing about this beer, that beer, the next one. She wow. goes, I just want to thank you mm-hmm. for taking any of your time to get to know me mm-hmm. and to walk me through this. 
She goes, I've been other places, and, like, they just kind of brought, hand me my stuff, and they yeah. kind of shoot me off. She goes, but, like, I just didn't know what I was into. Wow. And that, that for me, and then she, when I did, I was like, well, actually, she goes, well, how do I get out? I was like, well, I'm the extra GM here. And then they go, like, what? You're a charge? And, like, <laughs> and, and she she uh, she came around the bar, and she hugged me, and she says, uh, young man, what you're doing is really incredible. I think you should wear that collared shirt because <laughs> I don't like being tricked. But she goes, I'm I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to tell my girlfriends and their friends to come here and to visit this place because uh, I, I hope your mom's proud of you because you're doing some really cool shit here. And that happens weirdly often wow. that um, a, a person of color will tell me, damn, dude. This is really cool. You seem to really love this. Why do you love it? How can I love it the way that you love it? Mm -hmm. How did you get into it? And, I mean, there's at least 150 stories I have like that in the last two years, and that uh, makes my job worth it. Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you for your time. The Charlotte Newsmakers Podcast is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network and is recorded at the QCPN Studios in Uptown Charlotte. Producers are Alex Elich, Jess Dyer, and Brian Baltashevitz. Production manager is Taylor Robinson. If you have a story for us or a topic you think we should cover in depth, send us an email at hello at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. queencitypodcastnetwork.com.